Five conditions to answered prayer. The thing that we begin with is the understanding that God wants to hear from you and from me. How many of you know that's right? And you, we've, we teach a lot about prayer because prayer is, 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 is the foundation of our communion, our relationship with God. And um, prayer is not necessarily that mystical. It's, you don't have to be spooky and weird, and you don't have to be eloquent and, and erudite in your, in your speech. You don't have to adorn your vocabulary with all kinds of big words. God wants to hear from us, and it's, it is, it is, there's, there's something about praying conversationally, praying simply, but praying fervently with faith and with, with passion, and... Um, God wants to talk to us. He wants to hear from us. And there is this soil of the word of God in our hearts. And the the condition of that soil in which the word is planted uh, will have a lot to do with the degree to which we are prepared to hear God speak to us as we speak to him. How many of you know that prayer really is intended to be a two-way conversation? And I know it, I, many of you will say, well, I, I don't hear audible voices when I talk to God. But as we pray uh, around the scripture, as we pray, as we get quiet and still, it's called listening prayer to where we pray to God, but we don't dare do all the talking, but we slow down and quiet down so that we can hear him, that still, small voice. You know what I'm saying? God is, wants us to have an open mind to to improve our, our listening, to, to eliminate to the greatest degree possible distractions and to have a mind that's open and ready and willing to receive his word. And, and I, I want to talk to you about some of the things this morning the Bible says about how God hears us. We believe as, as people of scripture that in this world where people would like to rationalize away the supernatural, we believe that there is a God in heaven who does hear. And I know it's crazy, right? Because you say, wow, how can this one, this one being hear the prayers of billions of people, some of, most of which aren't even spoken audibly? But if God is God, then God is able to do what he says he can do. And God hears and responds to the prayers of billions of people at the same time, whether they're spoken out loud or, or prayed in the heart or whether they're yelled or whispered or whatever. God is able to do that. That's the God we serve. That is the basis of our faith. All through scripture, we have men and women interacting with with their creator by asking God for things that they need, asking God for rescue in the midst of of, uh, calamitous circumstances, asking God for provision, for miracles, for, for things that defy the realm of the natural. That's why they're called supernatural. And those who are the rationalists and the skeptics will say, well, that doesn't, that doesn't jibe with science. Well, that's all right, because science is about the observation of and quantification of and, and analysis of that which can be empirically observed and measured and et cetera, et cetera. And science is wonderful. God has given us the, this wonderful ability to, to look out and to assess and to study and, to, and to, to observe his creation. And science is in no way in conflict with, with the supernatural, but the supernatural is real and it supersedes the realm 
realm of science. It's another realm, and it lies outside of that which we can, we, we can observe or, or smell or taste or touch with our senses, right? Prayer is real. God is real. We believe that. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. It's not just an exercise. It's not just something we do to look pious. It's not just something we do. God says, pray. you know, I, I believe that prayer really does do stuff. I, I believe that there are certain things that God has given us the challenge of partnering with him in with regard to the world. There's some things that aren't going to happen until you pray for them and ask for them. So your prayer is important. There's some people that are in the kingdom of God because someone prayed them for them fervently and in faith and, and hung in there. And there's somebody, thank God, is probably praying for you right now in ways that you don't even realize that God's going to do some things that, that you've been trying to do when you need a little bit of help and you need the assistance that comes from the, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person around you. I believe in that degree of causality. So I believe we have a, that's why when we gather here on the first Saturday, let's, let's take it seriously and let's be targeted and let's be focused in what we're praying for and asking for God to do. And let's believe and look for him to do that because God does those things. There's a story of this, um, about this very pious town where a lot of church folks, they wanted to get, they wanted to rid themselves of this local bar in this town. And, uh, so the church people, you know what they did, right? They gathered to pray about against this bar, about this bar weekly, right? And Lord, get, we wanna, we're going to ask you to take this bar, this saloon out of our town, right? Uh, and, uh, and guess what happened? I don't know if it's a true story or not, but just listen to where it's going and you'll get the point. Not long after that, the bar was struck by lightning and burned to the ground. Now they prayed and asked God to deal with the bar, right? The bar was struck by lightning and burned to the ground. And so you know what happened? The bar owner, the story has it, decided to, to sue the church. <laughs> saying that uh, this act of God, you got to watch out for those axes of God. <laughs> this act of God, uh, uh, you know, was brought on by the people's prayers because the bar owner heard that they had been praying against his bar. Now the church came to court armed with a defense got to watch your defenses sometimes. And they said there's no way to prove that they caused the event to occur and that they could not be held liable for the damage. And so the judge in his ruling stated, while this event is considered an, quote, act of God, unquote, it is clear from the presentations in court that it is the bar owner who believes in the power of prayer while the members of the church do not. Sometimes you wonder, do we really believe in the stuff we're talking about and the things we're praying about and asking about? Because then when it happens and when God answers the prayer, we're like, oh, what? We're all surprised and everything. Stop being surprised when God does what you've asked him in Jesus' name and in faith to do. When you've asked him properly and rightly, don't be so shocked and surprised and looking with such a look of awe and wonderment when God does what God does because that's who he is. So what I want to talk about for a few moments today as we go forward is what barriers there might be that, that, uh, th that stand between our success in, in prayer and our being able to speak to God. So this is very practical and pragmatic. In other words, because God calls us to prayer, and every single one of you, I, I don't care 
where you are in life or where you are in your relationship with God, you're all called upon, invited into, you know, in the words of Hebrews, to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help you in your time of need. Now, the question is, are there some barriers? Are there some hindrances? Um, because sometimes you, you hear people say, I, I prayed about that. I've been praying for this, but, but nothing happened. And then they'll conclude, I, I don't believe in all that prayer stuff. But sometimes... There, sometimes your prayer isn't answered because it is clearly out what you're asking for. It's clearly at odds with the will and the purpose of God, and God has a better and a bigger plan. Some things we ask for, we don't. How many of you know, we don't, I didn't say we're going to get everything we ask for because God knows better than we do, and a lot of times with regard to our lives, we don't get everything we ask for. A lot of times we get alternative responses that are better than we thought because we didn't know what we really needed. We were praying with regard to our felt need where God addressed our real need. And so today, I want to just look at, uh, at five conditions for our prayer life. And the first one is this, an honest relationship with God. This is the first prerequisite for a, an effective prayer life. John 15, 7 says this, and this is Jesus. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What he's really saying here is, 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 in essence, if you have an honest relationship with me, if you will stay connected with me, how, how do you remain? How do you abide in Christ? He says, you do this by my words remaining or abiding in you. In other words, God is saying to us that if you will fill your mind with the word of God, right, if you'll fill your mind with the Bible, the Word of God, then allowing the words of Christ to dwell in you, that will enable you to be in Christ, to abide, to dwell, to remain in Him. We will be abiding in Him. And that's the starting point for having an honest relationship with God. Through the Word of God. That's why the study of, of the Bible is important. That's why listening to boring things like sermons is important. That's why your personal Bible reading and Bible study is crucial to your spiritual formation. Because the more we understand the Word of God, the more we'll know how to pray properly and effectively because we will be in an honest and ever-deepening relationship with God through the Word in Christ. Now, there, there are three things the Bible will challenge us to ask ourselves about our honest relationship with God. The first thing the Word of God will lead us to ask ourselves on an ongoing basis is this. Have I admitted or confessed my, my sins before God? 1 John 1, 8, 9 says, if we say we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us, and to cleanse us from every wrong. Do I or have I refused to admit to God the sins of my past, the things that I've done wrong? The Bible characterizes that as unconfessed sin. It may be an activity, something that we've participated in. It might be an attitude. It might be a habit. When we go our own way, when we do our own thing, I know none of you know anything about that, right? 
But when we do that, it breaks the connection between us and God. And when we try to cover up things that we know are wrong with, with regard to God, when we try to hide those things from God, then we break down any hope of an honest relationship with God. And then we're living in a kind of falsehood. And then our relationship with God can, can degenerate into being kind of a, a con job or a fraud. We become, in a sense, fakes and phonies. Not because we've done wrong, because as John says, if we say we have not sinned, we're, 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 that's when we're, we're fooling ourselves. But the problem is when, we, when we've messed up and we don't have the courage or the integrity to fess up, to talk to Jesus about it, to be honest with God about it. And so we're trying to, we find ourselves trying to do two things at the same time, which are kind of incompatible. And that is to live for God and to live for ourselves at the same time. How I many I mean, of you know that's really hard to do? Jesus put it this way. He says, no man can serve two masters. You either love the one or hate the other or hate the one and love the other. And so the first thing we have to ask if we're being really honest with God is, have I, Lord, have I admitted what I've done wrong to you? And again, to talk about our failure and our sin is not to, to be legalistic or judgmental or to, or to present something that is a downer or, or that would pull you down. It's a positive thing because we understand that we all make mistakes. We all sin. We all fail. And God is saying to us in 1 John 1, 9 that if we will confess our sins, if we will just be honest with God, it's, it's taken care of already in the cross, right? Secondly, are, am, I, am I living in obedience to God's commands? 1 John 3, 21 and 22, John writes, he says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. Now, this is his command, John goes on to write. He says, To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he has commanded us. You know, we in this flesh will... We, it's difficult for us to ever live in perfect, flawless obedience to God's command. But John is saying, here's one. If you blatantly ignore this command, you, there's no way you can have an honest relationship with God, and that is the command to love one another. The command to love one another. And so we start with that. Am I living in obedience? Am I walking in love? Do I love the brothers? Do I love the body of Christ? Do I love people? Do I love the lost? Do I love other folks? Am I allowing the love of God that's been poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit according to Romans, the fifth chapter? Am I allowing that love to work in me and to flow through me and to affect those around me? And then the third question that, that, that the word of God abiding in us will lead us to ask is, do I really want God's will for my life? Stop and think about that for a moment. 1 John 5.14 says, this is the assurance we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his, what, will, he hears us, and if we, and, and, we, and if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. So John is saying, we have this assurance that in approaching God, if what we're asking him is within the framework and within the, the rubric of his will, then we know that that's a done deal because God certainly is not at odds with himself, and if we're praying and asking for something that is within his purpose for us, he'll give it to us. But the question is, do we really want God's will for our lives, or do we just want what we want? Church in America is so materialistic and so, so steeped in pride and idolatry, 
And that's not what we're talking about. But when we're asked according to God's will, then, and then we have the confidence in prayer, we know he's going to answer. But we may ask what God's will is regarding uh, any little thing in prayer, and sometimes I think we begin to nitpick at that, and sometimes we, we deal in minutiae that gets beyond the point. But it's really not the question. I mean, it's like, Lord, what do you want me to order at Starbucks after church today? Do you want me to get a latte or a frappuccino? God says you can have whatever you'd like. It's all created for your, for your enjoyment. Lord, what should I eat? Chicken or shrimp for dinner tonight? God says, hey, you know, it's all good. It's all created for you. What would you like? But, but the bigger issue is this. The bigger issue is this. Am I living in God's will? Am I walking out God's will and purpose for my life? My life? Do I want, do I, am, am I willing to pray what, God, what Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer? He says we pray this. Father, let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm, I'm, the older I get, the, real, the more I realize that I really don't know exactly what the world needs. I don't know what's supposed to happen in your home and in your family, but I know this, that Jesus' rule and reign should be in effect in your house, in your relationships. I don't know exactly how that's going to look. I don't know exactly, I'll be honest with you, I don't know exactly what God wants to make of a church like ours in a community like this, in a day and time like this. I have, this, I have the, the, the vision that God placed in my heart, but I have to die to that because I realize I may, I, you know, it's really not about what I want because what happens is what you want, all your stuff gets mixed up in there because, Lord, I want to lead, I want to lead the nations to Christ, but some of that is because you were, when you were kids, you thought you were going to be famous. You know, people, so sometimes it's like, okay, I, I, I want things to happen, but I don't know what, but God, I want your will. The thing that matters is what, God, what do you want from my life? What do you want from me? What do you want to work in me and in my family? What do you want from, what do you want to do in this church? The problem is that sometimes, in the words of Scripture, in the, in the words of Paul in Romans 8, we don't know how to pray as we should. And so the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Thank God the Holy Spirit is praying alongside and for us when we don't know what to pray. But the issue is his will. And the question is, am I living in God's will? Am I, am I because if I'm in his word, more and more his His will will be revealed to me as I pray and, and will flow in that and it becomes an, a, a really, uh, preachers aren't supposed to say it becomes a cool thing, but it becomes a very cool and organic process where we just kind of go in this walk with God as opposed to us trying to, as opposed to us trying to force things. You know what it's like? Some of you, you know what it's like when you, you have your, your idea of what life is supposed to be, what your family, and see it really gets, it gets tricky when it has, when we're dealing with people around us that we're trying to control and shape even our own children. We should influence, we should shape with, to the degree that God has given us the ability to shape, and we should influence and direct and train and all of that stuff. But at certain points in people's lives, sometimes we don't know what's best for other people, or we don't know exactly what God is really up to, and maybe he has a better way. Sometimes we want to shield people from suffering and pain, and God says they need to go through that suffering and pain so that their lives may be shaped and molded in a way that could not take place otherwise. So, and then the second uh, criteria here, 
a forgiving attitude towards others. So first, an honest relationship with God, right? Talking about being honest about our failings, our sins, wanting the will of God, all those things. And then secondly, having a forgiving attitude toward other people. This is, this is fundamental, bottom line, right? Mark 11, 24 and 25, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, you like this one, right? Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you received it and it will be yours. I think that's the verse in the King James Version is rendered whatsoever things you, ye desire. I remember back, there was a little Christian magazine back in the 80s. I used to pick up, and I guess some guy had a Christian car company. I get tired of putting, having to put the Christian label on stuff. You got a car dealer, it's just a car dealer. You Christians don't own it, right? But, but he, had, and he had an ad in this, and he had a picture of a Porsche 911. That's my car, y'all. <laughs> I mean, not that I own one. And he had the scriptures that whatsoever things you desire. I said, wow, that's blade, that's cold blood. He just put it right on out there. I'm going to be, whatsoever things. <laughs> I even like the way they sound. But thank God for the Honda Accord. Because <laughs> that's what the preacher can afford. <laughs> thank you, Lord. <laughs> but he says, he said, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you receive it and it will be yours. But he goes on to cite the condition. He says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. Wow. He says, he says I'm going to put a rider on that bill. <laughs> There's this open, wonderful promise that when you as a child of God ask for the things that you desire and that you need in life, I, God is saying, I'm I'm predisposed to give you what you ask for out of my love, out of my concern for you, out of my, out of my wealth, out of my greatness. But by the way, here's the one thing that's going to be the barrier to you receiving that. When you stand before you get up, because in this, in this cultural setting, people would stand to pray. In your setting, maybe before you, when you kneel praying or when you sit praying, or lie in your bed and pray yourself to sleep, or whatever you do. He said, if you hold anything, and let's say if you had conflict with him, because we all got conflict with people. He said, but if you hold anything against someone, against anyone, forgive him so that your heavenly father may forgive your sins. And it goes, so it goes deeper than just the, re, just the request in prayer, but it goes even into issues with regard to our very forgiveness itself. So probably more than any one thing in the Bible, the greatest condition relating to prayer is forgiveness. Just take a moment and think about that. Nothing will kill your prayer life faster than resentment. If your heart is filled with bitterness and anger and resentment towards others and, and the, the refusal to let things go, first of all, you probably won't even feel much like praying. But when you do, your prayers will go about as high as the ceiling above you. When you hold a grudge, when you allow bitterness to grow, to fester inside your soul, it will, it, it will absolutely hinder your prayer life. Now listen, I, I understand we... we, we Again, he didn't say if you have engaged in conflict or if you have had some, some interpersonal challenges. 
because we all do. Every, because we're human beings, we're sinful people, and we're trying to get along with each other in the world, and we see things differently and view things differently and do things differently and think differently, and we get at odds with each other. And the Bible says there's a way to deal with that. Don't let the sun go down when you're angry. You, 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 go, you can go to people and you can talk about it and pray about it and work about it. You can let it go and forgive it. You can say, you know what, I, don't, I disagree with that. I, I, don't, I don't like that, but I'm not going to hold that and let it ruin, rob me of my peace and my prayer life with God and let it ruin my soul. I'm going to give it to God and let it go. Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm asking you to enable me to do what I intend to do, and that is to forgive. For your own survival's sake, because it's the right thing to do. Otherwise, you have you won't have any prayer life. God says, "How do you, how can you love God and hate your brother? Because you you see your brother right there, and you don't even you don't even see God. And some of you maybe you've had those beatific visions or whatever. But but you know you don't see God every day because no one's seen the Father. God has revealed Himself in the person of His Son Jesus Christ. But you haven't seen God. But your brother's right there, and you, and, and you hate him. But you say, but I love God. Well, easy for you to say." It's easy to love the one who's invisible, immortal, invisible, eternal, and not there in your face as opposed to the one that you have to deal with every day. And that's what he taught us. He said, when you pray, when you, Jesus said to his disciples in the Lord's Prayer, when you pray, you say, Father, forgive us our sins. That's the literal, the proper translation. And you could say, some of the older translations say things like trespasses. And debts, and we like those better because it's a little more abstract, whatever that means. But forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. You're saying, God, I want you to forgive me as much as I forgive everybody else. That's the prayer that Jesus asks us to pray to get right with God. Lord, forgive us our sins as we, at the same time, forgive everyone who has sinned against us. Doesn't mean that you're asking us to forget everything that's been done, to say it's all good and all right. Doesn't mean you've asked us to go back into every relationship and every friendship and, and every past situation. Doesn't mean that we can fix everything. You fix what you can and you leave the rest alone. Sometimes you made it worse when you tried to fix it up. But it means that we're called upon to forgive when we have a desire to see God do something in our lives or in the lives of others, when we're in, we're in conflict, we're not ready to receive promises from God when we are, not, are refusing to let that conflict go. And then when we're living in unforgiveness, it becomes very easy for us to get caught up in the blame game, right? I, does, I know that this, this message should not be for this church. This should be for some other church on the other side of town. Because I know nobody in this church knows anything about the blame game, right? Never played it. But there's some people, guys. There's some people that, that get, you know, they, they, because they're holding on to, to everything that was done to them in the past and all the, the things that were perpetrated against them. And it gets to where their prayer life is, is, is choked off because it's all about the fact that it's somebody else's fault. Everything I do is somebody to blame, and it's never me because these people are always doing this stuff to me, and I'm this big victim, and it's all their fault, and God, you ought to fix them, and you ought to get them because they ain't right. And you got to watch out for, for folks when we're somewhere, you know, when nobody ain't ever right, and everybody's always wrong, and everybody's got the problem, and it ain't never you. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I got to edit that out the CD. (laughs) 
blame game. The, you know, and then, of course, that same mindset will cause us to begin to think that we're all that. And then because we become the victim, then we put ourselves in a privileged position. And then we can also begin to take the credit for the blessings. But a, a forgiving heart is another thing. A forgiving heart is a heart that's really uh, uh, able to trust God and to, to, uh, to uh, uh, look to God for answers in prayer and to give God the credit. So, 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 so a forgiving attitude towards others, it's, it's, a, it's a key component in our being able to pray effectively. And then third, a willingness to share the results. Now, what do, you, what do I mean by that? You hope what I mean is a willingness to, to testify, but that's not what I'm talking about. Share the results. We're going to have prayer and share. Praise the Lord, Pastor. <laughs> now, Proverbs 21:13 says this. If a man shuts his ears to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. What God wants us to do is to grow in our awareness of those in need around us as we pray for ourselves so that our prayer life is not just, wow, I discovered the promises of God in the Word, and I saw the ad in the little magazine with the Porsche 911 that said, whatsoever things ye desire, dot, 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 ellipsis. It's like, wow, anything I want, wow. I think a Porsche, that's a little bit on the low end. I'm a, I'm a king's kid. I think it should be, you know, um, I think, why, you know. But what, what? An effective prayer life is going to be based in us moving beyond just what I want and just moving beyond just my supply and my source and my resourcing, but moving into this issue of, of, of what are the needs of people in the world around me and how can I be a blessing to other people? So, God, as you bless me with resources, as you advance me in my career, as you bless me in my job, as you, as you prosper me financially, as you, as you give me uh, the the, the the, the ability to excel in, in whatever it is in life that you've called me to do or to be. How can I use that to serve the needs of people in the world around me? How can I be a blessing to other people? The underlying theme is how are we prepared to receive what we pray and ask for? What, what, what are our motivations? Are, are they selfish? Are they just about us receiving and getting a whole lot of stuff? Or are they about the fact that we really want to be used by God in the world to make a difference in the lives of not only ourselves and, you know, our nuclear, or depending on where you're from, nuclear family, us four and no more. James 4, in the first chapter, I like the way he breaks it down. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? And some of you would say, because they don't see things my way. Or they touch, get their hand on my stuff. But he, James says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? He says, no, no, no. He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel and you fight, but you have not because you don't ask God. And then he goes on in verse 3. He, he says, he gives us another reason why our prayers our answer says, and when you ask, you don't receive. Why? Because you ask with the wrong motive so that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. J James is saying, be careful that you're not praying just about what you want to gratify your needs and your wants and your desires because that is a recipe for prayer, a prayer failure, a breakdown. Motive is more important in prayer than, than I mean, wh why you pray is more important than what you pray for. It's possible 
do you think it's possible to pray for the right thing with a wrong motive? Absolutely. Do you, I guess it's possible to pray for the right thing with a wrong motive or a wrong thing with the right motive. I don't know. <laughs> but it's definitely possible to pray for the right thing with a wrong motive. Should you ever pray for your own personal needs? Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course you should. Jesus said, and again, going back to the Lord's Prayer, he says, you pray and you say, Lord, give us today our daily bread. Give, you know, give our family, give our church, give, our, give, give us, Lord, what we need to make it today. Give us what we need. Give, give us the food, the sustenance, the money, the, the, the clothes, the resources we need today. Lord, help me with this bill. Help me to, to pay my way to, to, to pay, cover my expenses. Help me to put food on the table for my children. Help me to put clothes on their backs. Help me to provide for my family. Yes, we should. Mark 11 even says we can, we can pray for our desires. God has created all things freely for our enjoyment, and God is not stingy. And so we're not, when, when we preach the balance on this stuff and put it in, in, a, in, in this context, it's not that we're saying that, you know, God is, is, is really stingy. And so he's saying, don't you ask God for none. You should only be praying for, for, for other people. And, if, you know, you, you just go and live in a cardboard box and just pray that God would take care of everybody else, and that somehow glorifies God. That's not what the Word teaches. But the motive is this. Here's the question. Are you willing to share whatever blessings God sends your way with other people? Or are you praying simply so that you can hoard it all yourself? A lot of our, this is L.A., y'all. Land of entertainers. A lot of entertainers. Musicians, actors, rappers, singers, people that and they're praying, and Christian entertainers, Christian folks that are praying, Lord, enlarge my borders, enlarge my tent. You don't have a tent, but, you know, make it sound spiritual. I want that million, that bet. million dollars is not that much money anymore. One million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> It's not that much money anymore. (laughs) Sharks with laser beams on their head. I I mean, it's not, but, you know, so $10 million, $20 million. Why do you want it? So I can look good. So I can throw wild parties for all my friends. So so we, you know, so we can just like, you know, we can be do, and a lot of people is like, so, so I can be really wasteful and stupid. And not care about anybody so I can get a divorce and give half of it and then some to my ex anyway so I can not pay child support and, and, and get sued for most of it anyhow because I got, you know, and, and you know, we, people get, we get all this stuff and we squander it and it's all about us and in the end it all kind of gets, I mean, look at the Donald Sterling fiasco. God bless him for all his acquisitions and his accomplishments, but it's like in the, in the end, what, a, what an inglorious outcome. But as Christians, our mindset is this, Lord, bless me, but help me to be a blessing to other people. And I'm not saying that God tells you to give everything away that you get, but I'll tell you what, I think a a heart that's right with God is much more inclined towards giving more than than just receiving. And throughout throughout the history of, 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 of the church, there are people that discovered this. Uh, I, I, I think it was John Wesley, uh, the, the, the story is related about when he received his first pastorate, how you know, he, he gave a certain amount of money uh, 
and as, as it go, went as it went on, he it just, the story was that as he went on through his his career, he ended up just giving a greater and greater percentage. And there are other Christians that realize, you know, it's not about me just hoarding, but but finding ways to to give more and more. And I'm not just talking about giving to the church, although I believe that that is where God is at work. But I mean, do we give to others around us in need? Do we give to charity? Do we support worthy causes in our community in the world? Oh, and we we praying for the people of Nepal, by the way, in the in the wake of this that horrible earthquake, and and in that region of the world, and and sometimes we come alongside hurting people in other parts of the world, and we with with aid and with, with, with there's a, there's just a myriad of needs in the world, but our, is our heart open to that? Uh, you know, when you when you pray for for your health, are you willing to use your body uh, to care for others? You, you, you hear what I'm saying? When you pray for your children, are you willing to give them to the Lord for his service? When you, when you ask God for success, are you willing to share the results of that success with those in need in the world around you? And I hasten on here. Number four, that sounds very preacherly. I hasten on here. Uh, number four, confidence that God will answer. That's a biblical condition related to prayer number four. First John 5, 14 to 15 says, if we can be confident that he will listen to us whenever we ask him for anything in line with his will, and if we know he's listening when we make our request, we can be sure that he will give us what we ask for. Now, I, again, you, know, you guys know I, I, I have children. They once were young, but now they're older. But when they were little, this, I, this could give me a lot of trouble, but they would come and ask me for something still do. Uh, they would come and ask me for something. But there was always, I always sensed my kids had the ability, they had the confidence that I had the ability to do whatever they asked me for. Right. Or they probably would have asked me, right? You know what I'm saying? And I, and I was gratified by that. I would have been probably taken aback or maybe insulted or hurt if they said, yeah, Dad, don't worry about dinner. I, don't, I know you probably ain't got that covered. <laughs> but I say, you know, Dad, can you help me fix this? And there was this confidence. They knew that it would, they thought I could do it, and I, I do a lot of stuff. So I, was, I, was, I, get, I got called upon to help my kids do a lot of stuff. I still do. And they said, you know, you know Dad, can you help me with the homework or help me with you know, this math problem or this test? You know, and, or my, my wife, maybe, because she's a little bit more in that realm. They, they would ask because they knew that we could produce. Uh, and then, of course, there'd come a time when the math got a little bit over my head, and there are times when maybe what was broken wasn't able to be repaired, right? But it never stopped them from asking because they believed overall that I had the resources to fix whatever was broken if it could be fixed, to supply whatever need if it could be supplied if it was within the realm of my, of my will for them. They had that kind of confidence in me. And God wants us to have that kind of confidence in him. You understand what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? James 1, 5 through 7, he says, if you need wisdom, how many of you need wisdom? He says, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him, and he will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. But when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to answer, for a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. James says, if you know you need wisdom, then you should ask God. But when you ask God, don't ask God like you don't expect him to do it. Do we pray that way? Do we, do we have that kind of confidence? Or do we ask God for stuff like we really don't? Well, Lord, you know, I'm just going to bring this. Because, you know, sometimes we put it out to people, you know, I know this is, I'm just going to put this out here. 
I said, you don't have to put it out here because it's like, if you, if you know it ain't happening, just, just, we, can just don't, we don't have to deal with it, but I, I'm just going to put this out here. Father, I'm just going to bring this to you. I know, that you. I know that you may not be so inclined, but Lord, I'm just going to lay this on the altar. God said, you can take it back. Put it somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? Do, do we pray as though we believe God really can do and will do what we ask him to do or as though, well, I know you probably don't really care. That's not the way to, to, to connect with people. I know you probably don't care nothing about what's going on in my life, but I just want to share some stuff with you, although I know it don't mean nothing to you and you really ain't in a position to do nothing, but I just want to tell you this. It's like, well, then why are you telling me? Then just don't bother. If you think maybe I can supply a listening ear or maybe I can pray with you or maybe I'll come alongside you and be a friend, fine. But if you come at me like, oh, I know you ain't really got, you ain't about nothing, you ain't got no capabilities, but I'm just going to lay this on you anyway because there's nowhere else to go. And sometimes I wonder if we'd like that with God. I ain't got nobody else to talk to because you're too old to tell your mama, right? <laughs> your daddy, your grandma. So, Lord, I'm just bringing this to you. I don't expect no change in my life. I don't expect you to do nothing, but I'm just going to bring it to you. Because I know folks are always asking you for stuff, and I'm not asking you for nothing. I'm just bringing this situation. God, that doesn't honor God. It honors God when we ask him. In the, in the spirit of James 1, when he talks about wisdom, we ask him expecting the answer. Because he says, otherwise, you got a, you're double-minded. you got a doubtful mind, and that mind is like, it's like, the, like a wave in the sea, and it goes here and it goes there. It's driven by the wind, and it's tossed. It is unstable. It, you, you're unstable in everything you do if that's, if that's the way you are. Now, because we have to ask, what is faith? Is faith believing that God can do something? Oh, that's not faith. When you believe that God can do something, that's basically a fact, because God can do everything. God, God can do whatever it is that you ask God to do whether he does it or not or whether you believe it or not. To say, I believe God might do it, that's not faith because that, that's just hope. I hope you might. And that's why when we pray, never pray, no, Father, I, I, we, I hope that you, I hear, I've heard kids do that. And you teach children to pray. You say, say, Lord, I hope we go to Disneyland tomorrow. That's, you're not, God, God says, thanks for letting me know what you're hoping for. That's like people on the freeway who put on their turn signal because they're thinking about changing lanes but aren't really prepared to do so. So you sit there, and they sit there with their turn signal on, and you slow down, and you say, okay, there's been a gap here for the last three miles, and you're free to go in there. But I'm just, I hope to make a lane change at some point. I'm, I'm, I'm basically advertising my intent, my hope, my aspiration. I'd like to be in that lane, but I'm, <laughs> so, God, so we don't pray, God, I, I, I hope you helped. You don't, Pastor, I hope you finish the sermon. I'm, if you ask me that, I might go on and on. He said, you, you're doing that right now. <laughs> that's, to say, God, we hope you will do this, that's not confidence. But faith says this, in essence, I believe God will do this. I believe that God can, and I believe that he will. Not believing simply that he can, not believing that he might do it, but believing that he will do it. That's that's what it means to believe God. So we need to have that confidence. We need to have an honest relationship with God, forgiving attitude towards others, willingness to share the results, confidence that God will answer. And finally, let's end with this. We're challenged to pray in Jesus' name. Let's hit this up. Let's, let's, let's plow through this quickly. I don't want to keep you here all evening. But uh, John 14, 13, Jesus says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. 
You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Notice he says, ask in my name. You may ask for anything in my name. John 16, 24, you've, you've not asked anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. And so here's the thing. Let's, let's break this out right now. What's so special about Jesus' name? Because when I was a kid, I didn't understand this, and as I grew up in church, uh, everyone within their prayers is saying, in Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's way, and it's the way you say, well, that's the way we pray now, in Jesus' name, amen. And I thought it was kind of like the sign-off, right? I used, to, I used to have a CB radio back in the 70s. Um, uh, my, my neighbor, uh, Mr. Spencer, had some of them brothers in, down in the South L.A., they were in the, got into CB radios, but they, would, they were not legal. They would, they would, you're supposed to have five watts transmitter, and they would have these things called linear amplifiers, and so they would be running like 5,000 watts. And you're not supposed to be, in CB, you could like talk cross town maybe around. They were talking to people out in Mississippi and stuff. <laughs> and Mr. Spencer, his handle was bricklayer because he was a mason, a stone mason, a brick mason by trade. And, I, and when I was growing up in Carson, I could, we could hear Mr. Spencer in the telephone. We could hear Mr. Spencer in the TV. We could hear him in the water pipes. He had so much power. He was about three doors down, big old antenna on the house. Breaker, breaker, this is bricklayer coming at you here. I'm going to turn four, good buddy. And so I thought that, you know, maybe that saying in Jesus' name was kind of like signing off a CB, 10-4, good buddy, we out of here, you know, that kind of thing. Over, you know, or like Dick Tracy, over and out, right? In the wrist radio, wow, Apple Watch, how about that? <laughs> or, you know, the Walter Cron- Cronkite thing in prayer, like, and that's the way it is, you know, kind of the cutoff, you know? It's like you have to have something to say. Because I, I hear people talking on the phone, and some younger people now, they t- just talk on the phone, and they get done with the conversation. They don't say goodbye, they just stop talking and hang up. And like when I was coming, I was rude. You had to say, okay, well, it's nice talking to you. Okay, goodbye, goodbye, okay. And I know some of you were in love. You say, you say goodbye. No, you say goodbye. No, you say it. <laughs> I thought Jesus' name was like that. It was, this mis- it was the secret password, the mystical code word that gets you into God. And so it's, you know, it's the secret thing. And so he said, here are all my requests. And by the way, here's the code word, the secret password in Jesus' name. Wow, you got it. Boom. Some of you, sometimes when we're in here and you knock on the back door, I'll come to the back and say, what's the secret password? And you'll think, wow, what does he mean? It's a joke, right? And you say, Jesus? <laughs> but, you know, what does it mean? And because, and then, you know, you, and you know we, go to some of, we, we go to churches where, like, God, I got to finish this sermon. But, you know, I, if you listen to, like, KTYM, they're the, they, they're the people that, it's like they take two sentences of content and can get a 15-minute radio bro- program on it. <laughs> We, amen, uh, praise the Lord, are, amen, in Jesus' name, glad to, amen, be here at this time, praise the Lord, because, amen, oh, you know, praise God, amen, that we just, amen, praise the Lord, in Jesus' name, are here, uh, emanating to you live from the main sanctuary at the Mount Nebo Missionary Church of God Baptist Methodist Pentecostal, amen, praise the Lord, main sanctuary, only sanctuary. <laughs> but it's not that. I, let, me, let me tell you what it really means. And I'll give you a story that illustrates this, and maybe we can and, and, and I, I, I get off on the jokes. And, but, but you get the point. It's Because you hear it, and it's like, you, in some churches you hear it a whole lot, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, because it becomes like, I always say, like a mantra. And it's not that. It's not just saying in Jesus' name and in your prayer. That's not what Jesus is talking about. So that if you don't say in Jesus' name while your prayer, you just wasted that prayer. That's not what he's saying. 
this man took his young son and uh, uh, about 14 of his son's friends to a carnival for a birthday party. You been to a carnival lately? That's one thing about not being Catholic, man. We don't get to have carnivals at, on the church ground. <laughs> but he brought a roll of tickets, and he'd, he'd stand in front of every ride. And as these kids came by, that he brought this group he brought, his son and the 14 friends, he'd give everybody a ticket. He's handing out the tickets. He's the dad. This is my son's birthday party. We're at the carnival. 14 kids and my son. I got the tickets. Here are the tickets. I bought a whole bunch of tickets. And here you go. And this, this, he looked up and realized there's this little kid that with his hand out asking for a ticket. He'd never seen this kid before in his life. Who is this? Who, whose child are you? And so he stopped. He says, son, are you, are you with my son's party? He says, no. He said, well, why should I give you a ticket? The little young boy turned around and pointed to the man's son, and he said this. He said, your son said to give me one. And so the man gave him a ticket. That is, that's the point. When I come and pray and ask God for requests, I don't ask in my own, in my own, in the sense of my own self or for my, based upon my own merit, but I come on the merit of Christ and I say, Father, I'm coming to you because your son said so. Because your son died on the cross for my sins. Because your son opened the way. So I come in his stead. I come with his authority and authorization. I'm coming because of what Jesus Christ has already done for me on the cross. And he's promised when what he's promised and he said, I can ask in his name. So God, I'm coming to you in Jesus' name. So you're saying, I come to you, Father, because your son said I could come. I come to you because your, because I am in your son and he is in me. So people talk about God and some folks talk about a higher power, but Scripture makes it clear we are to pray in the name of Jesus when we come before God the Father in prayer. It's in the name of Jesus that God's work gets done. It's only through Christ and his work on the cross that we have access to the Father's throne. So we pray to the Father in Jesus' name because Jesus is the bridge between God and man. Paul writes that there is one mediated between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And God came in the form of, 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 of a man in the person of Jesus. That one mediator, that one bridge between God and man. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the bridge to God. And so, I'm done. But let me challenge you with this. Which of these pr principles might you have been overlooking? Are you nurturing an honest relationship with God? Do you need to get real with God about something that's going on in your life that you need? And it's not that God's going to beat you over the head with it. When I said that, I just had this picture of the cast iron skillet that's so heavy that I don't move it off the stove and I hardly ever use it. And I didn't get one for years because I thought if there was any marital conflict in my home, it would be a, a, a very formidable weapon in the, in, in, in the hands of that little strong woman over there. But it's not like God has a cast iron skillet ready to, 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 to wail upside you or... Some of you are older, remember uh, uh, the, the, the Maggie and Jigs cartoon, and, the, and Maggie would always have the rolling pin. I never, I have one of those in my house, but it doesn't have a handle on it, because you don't want to have a handle on a rolling pin. <laughs> An honest relationship, God's not going to smack you, God wants to, wants to grace you. A forgiving attitude towards others, are you harboring any junk 
a willingness to share the results. Are you, are you thinking about the needs and concerns of people around you, or is it just about you? Confidence that God will answer. Are you praying and thinking in faith? And, and then finally, are, are, do you realize that we come in Jesus' name? And that is very liberating to know that we're not coming in our own name. We pray to the Father as, as children of God in Christ Jesus. We come in Jesus' name. And so that's the assurance that, see, if, if, you, add, if, you, if you say, I'm coming in, 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 in Charlene's name, then if Charlene said to give it to you, then I'm going to give it to you, unless it's money. Stand. Let's stand together. If, if, if you're so inclined, if you, if, 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 if,